This content may not be suitable for all listeners. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I'm Brittany. And we are your hosts for the evening. We are on episode four of our Halloween spooky season episodes, which means that we only have this one and then our Halloween episode left. So we're going to miss you guys, but we're going to enjoy this episode. I... I'm excited to learn about some of this stuff because I am brand new to it. Well, it was supposed to be Candyman, and then Candyman (laughs) was fake. Yeah. Well, because there is, there are at least two people who, like, two killers who are referred to as Candyman. So, uh, us being uncultured, we assumed the movies were going to be (laughs) about those cases, and they were not. So, last minute, we had to switch it. But I think it was a, it was a good decision because this one is definitely one I didn't even know was based on a somewhat based, loosely based on a real story. Jennifer's body if you didn't read the title (laughs) yeah so this movie came out back when I was in high school I think it was my junior year yeah so it's like I remember this vividly when it came out because like all of my favorite bands I think were like (laughs) they had like a soundtrack and then they had albums where it was like music inspired by the movie and like basically all of my favorite bands did a song for it so I was very into the music part of it but I'd never actually seen it through the trees was a banger though (laughs) I mean, you're you're not wrong. I did I I do enjoy those the songs that they did, but uh, yeah, it was uh, this was my first time seeing it, so I'm definitely behind <laughs> on that. But I knew it was a cult classic. I'm just gonna state right up front. Uh, I don't I don't get the hype. <laughs> I don't either. I also don't get the hype with Rocky Picture Horror Show though. So maybe I'm just uncultured. I think that one was just kind of fun. Whereas this I think one, so. This one is just... This one's know. cringy. <laughs> and Megan Fox plays the same character in every movie she is in. Agreed. But she's very, very hot, so I don't care. <laughs> she's very pretty. Except yeah. her and MGK are weird to me. Oh my god. Um, and Harley Quinn and the Joker will be dressing up as them for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Jennifer's body... You're probably wondering what part of this supernatural demon killing boys story is real life. Jennifer's murder actually was based loosely on this case that we're going to talk about today, which I was not aware of. So I'm excited. Brittany, take it away. Okay, so we're going to talk about Elise Poller. She was a 15-year-old who lived in a small town of... Iro Grande, California, and she was a freshman at Iro Grande High School in 1995. So this is a very small town in California, but it had a lot of violent crimes. In the year of 1995 alone, the town itself had reported reports of over 100 violent crimes, which doesn't seem like a lot, but if it, like for a small town, that's, yeah, that's like a lot. Proportionally, yeah. But most of the most of the crimes seem to revolve around teenagers. 
which is weird. But th- they also had a very large uh, gang population, which resulted in a lot of those crimes being gang-related, such as shootings and stabbings. That makes sense. So Elise was described as a super happy-go-lucky 15-year-old. She was super a- active athlete involved in theater and she was in her church choir and her family described her as super outgoing and she had dreams of becoming an actress one day but she was also you know a teenager so she was experimenting with smoking weed then drinking alcohol and she reportedly snuck out sometimes to meet boys which is a teenager i didn't do that but i know people who did yeah i i didn't either but i was also a very like safe boring teenagers so yeah so was i so it's fine but i have friends who did that sort of thing so i know it's actually a thing that happens it's fine it's a teenager um her parents sent her to mariposa community recovery center in ario grande grande california i don't know if this place is still open i tried to find out and see but all i could find was it's a rehabilitation center that specializes in alcohol recovery so i think she um was drinking a little bit too much yeah rehab yeah, so um, I'm not sure if it, like I said, I'm not sure if it's still open or if they changed names. But at the same time, Elise was admitted into the center. So as a 16-year-old boy named Jacob, the last one, who would eventually befriend Elise and introduce him to his two friends, Joseph and Royce. So Jacob came from a devout Mormon household, and he was described as a troubled teen with a drug problem and known as an mm, Amphetamine user, which is like Adderall. And if you don't know what Adderall is, it's for it's a prescription drug that you take when if you have like ADHD. Mm-hmm. If you do not have ADHD, then it does the opposite effect and it jacks you up all night. Mm-hmm. That's why I know a lot of students take it to like help them focus when they're like doing study, like cram sessions. But if you but, have ADHD, it, it chills you out. It, like, yeah, it's supposed to. Yeah, Make I you mean, focus. it helps. Yeah, it helps you focus just like in a different way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this addiction that he had led him to being admitted to Mariposa, and a neighbor of Jacob's reported that she met his him and his friends, and they were interested in real devil worshiping, and they kept to themselves and hardly spoke to anybody. So, Jacob's two friends that he would eventually introduce Elise to is Royce Casey, who is 17 at the time, and Joseph. L- Florella, who was 15, they were also described as troubled young men with a drug problem. So all three of them suffered from difficulty in school and were saw as social outcasts by their peers. I feel like that's how it always starts. Yeah. They all three were wanting to become involved in real Satanism after Joseph had introduced the boys to the religion. So I want to look it up just in case you guys don't know what Satanism is. Satanism is a group of ideology and philosophy beliefs based on satan contemporary religious practice of satanism began within the founding of the atheistic church of satan in the united states in 1966 so philosophical philosophical everybody (laughs) so the three boys had a hungry interest for this practice and joseph would buy multiple books and even pamphlets on the subject One specific pamphlet that he had, the author described a ritual in which a toad was crucified after being kept in the all night. And it was either an ark or a chest, depending on which source you read. Mm -hmm. 
So the boys would, you know, it's 1995, internet's just becoming a thing. So they would get online and write all these fantasies to other Satanist followers. And it led to them becoming even more obsessed. And in the 90s, in the internet in the 90s were so wild because nobody, like, monitored it at all. Yeah. I was about to say, like, the internet in the 90s was a lawless land. That's not to say that the internet these days isn't also a lawless land, but it was lawless in a different way. <laughs> yeah. So all three of them, plus another boy named Travis Williams, would become obsessed with the Satan, the Satanist religion. Um, and they would break into graveyards at night and circle tombstones that they planned on coming back later in grave robbing. Royce's family noticed a change in their son's behavior. Uh, he would spend hours or even days locked away in his bedroom writing in like a special journal he wouldn't let anybody read. And some rumors started at school that all four of the boys were practicing devil worshiping and a couple of them had been trying to snatch a young virgin girl for a sacrifice. So <laughs> these guys had a death metal band they named Hatred. It's so original. <laughs> which was styled after a band named Slayer, whose songs and lyrics related to the devil and sacrificing virgins, which is very specific. I I know that Slayer is like a heavy metal band. I've never actually listened to them, but I know that a lot of people just automatically associate heavy metal with Satanism and things like that. I can't say whether or not Slayer's lyrics were actually like full of that or not, because like I said, I've never listened but that's something to keep in mind. I'm sure that's also probably just stereotypes based on just the genre of music they played. No, they actually had lyrics. I go into detail about it. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> um, and one garage practice session had led to a discussion of a ritual. They conceived this plan themselves that if they sacrificed a virgin to the devil, they would be able to play hard, play faster, and it would lead them to go professional and take their band to the next level. Very crazy. That was when Elise was brought up. They saw her as the perfect sacrifice because she was blue-eyed, blonde hair, and, of course, a virgin. So it sounds like um, Hitler. (laughs) Yeah. And they believed that Satan would be so pleased with the sacrifice that he would ultimately bestow the boys with the ability to play so well they would get a record deal. So... They had plotted this attack for over a month before finally acting on it, and it would later come out that Joseph had been obsessed with Elise. But a few months before the murder, Elise was almost killed when she was lured to a remote area outside of her home in Mesa, California, where there was a steep ravine, and one of the boys had pretended to slip down the ravine as a ruse to get her to go to the bottom. And Joseph then tossed Travis Williams a knife, but he just stood there while the other boys chanted, do it repeatedly. Elise thought the boys had been joking because she never reported it to the police or the parents. But it's, uh, I will note, Travis Williams was not involved in her murder, like her actual murder. It was well, just Joseph, Jacob, and Royce. Lord. <laughs> so on the night of July 22nd, 1995, Royce, Jacob, and Joseph had convinced Elise to come hang out with them for a second time. They promised to smoke pot with her at a spot they frequented in Eucalyptus Grove, which I just want to point out, that's like a dope name for like it is. a forest. <laughs> I, I, I like that name. So when Elise arrived, the four of them smoked pot together and just like hung out. 
and Jacob was the first one to like attack her. He had taken his belt off while she was not paying attention and then like wrapped it around her neck as Royce held her down and Joseph pulled out the hunting knife that was there at the first attack and stabbed her in the neck. The boys would then go on to stomp her like dying body. So through the entire attack, Elise prayed to God and continually shouted for her mom to save her. And that's so sad. That is really sad. But a later autopsy report would show that she had been stabbed 12 times, but none of the stab wounds were fatal. So her what? cause of death was bleeding to death. So oh she slowly God. bled to death. Mm. That You have to really want somebody to suffer to not only like kill them with a knife but also just not will not kill them like to stab them and then leave them to bleed out to death Mm -hmm. so once elise had finally like died the three of them would go on to rape her dead corpse and this went on for eight months even after her parents had reported her missing as a missing person and the investigation for her took way they hid her body and would come back frequently to the woods to like have sex with it and what's so bad is the boys even bragged about their murder and necrophilia at school but nobody took them seriously and i don't know about you but if somebody told me that they like had sex with a dead person i would report that i don't care who you are yeah that's that's not a joke if nothing else yeah they they would need to see it probably need to see a therapist <laughs> like if they were if that was something they were making up it's like why are you making up something like that but ugh. okay so eventually royce casey was the one that decided to come forward and admit to the police what the three of them had done to elise and then he showed them where the body was hidden and it obviously it was badly decomposed it had been in you know the elements for eight months but he told police that he had a newfound relationship with God and he had and he had to admit to his sins. But he said it was partly because when he came forward that Jacob and Joseph had planned to commit another murder and he thought that he was going to be the next victim. Roy said that the other two boys told him that she would not be the only one. There would be more after he started to distance himself from them because he no longer believed what they believed, Mm -hmm. but he believed that he could be next because of a specific lyric from the band Slayer that was said to him by Jacob. If you're not with us, you may no longer exist. Very. Yeah. I would say that is a, quite a threat so both jacob and joseph denied any involvement of satanism but admitted that they both played a part in elisa's death and had been inspired by the music of slayer in 1995 the three boys would go on to plead no contest and a jury found them guilty and sentenced all three of them to 26 years to life in prison so i'm glad they pleaded no contest because if they had said not guilty i would have I would have raged, basically. (laughs) Yeah. So in 2001, the Paler family, which is Elisa's family, um, took took the band Slayer and Sony Music to court on the grounds that their music is what inspired the boys to murder their daughter. They argued that songs like Postmortem, which came out in 1986, and Dead Skin Mask in 1990 gave instructions to kill to the killers to torture, murder, and rape. So I pulled these postmortem lyrics. Entering a tomb of a corpse yet conceived, tightening the tourniquet around your neck, chaining the lines of blind witchery to save yourself from extinction. Um, and then Dead Skin Mask, which the song is about Ed Gein. Kind of weird, but like, <laughs> I don't know how you're doing to make a song about it. Um, but how I've waited for you to come, and I promise I won't keep you long, I'll keep you forever. Grace the skin with my fingertips. The brush of dead. Warm flesh pacifies the means. Let me out of here, Mr. Gein. I don't want to play anymore, Mr. Gein. Um, 
The judge goes on to throw out the lawsuit, stating that there is no legal position that could be taken that would make Slayer responsible for the girl's death. Where do you draw the line? You might as well start looking through the library at every book on the shelf, which I agree. Um, But they would go on to file another lawsuit, but this time they added Slayer and several record labels as defendants in seeking monetary damage and a halt to the practice of marketing violent music towards juveniles. But this case was also thrown out. And the judge said lyrics written by the heavy metal band may have been offensive, but they did not incite three teens to murder. And this is a direct quote from him. But Slayer lyrics are repulsive and profane, but they do not direct or instruct listeners to commit the acts and resulted in the vicious torture murder of Elise Paler. He also went on to state that the music was not harmful to children, as the Paler family alleged, and and it is not illegal to sell or market the product, and it's protected by the First Amendment. I mean, that's true. But at the same time, if if they're talking about serial killers, I don't know if it should be marketed to young children. Well, I don't think it's specifically marketed towards young children. I don't think it's marketed towards young children at all. Yeah. But which led me to pull these lyrics that were around the same time. Okay, so for instance... 97 Bonnie and Clyde, which was released in 1999 by Eminem. The lyrics were, oh, where's mama? She's taking a little nap in the trunk. Oh, what's the smell? I must have run over a skunk. That's why you can't get her to wake. But don't worry, Dada made a nice bed for mommy at the bottom of the lake. And then Kim, which was also by Eminem, which was released in 2000. So it's just a year before. But it says, sit down, bitch. You move again. I'll beat the shit out of you. There's a year old little laying dead with a slit throat in your living room you and your husband had a fight one of you grabs a knife and during the struggle he accidentally gets his adam's apple sliced and while this is going on his son just woke up and he walks in she panics gets his he gets his throat cut so now they both did and you slash your own throat so now it's a double homicide and suicide with no note so are you telling me that the these lyrics are going to incite somebody to murder their wife. I don't... Because he's given instructions on how to do it and make it look like get away. Yeah. So then I pulled lyrics from a song by Biggie, which came out in 94, which is a year before Elise was murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Warning. And they say, and they want to stick the knife through the windpipe slow so I can rip through the ligaments, put their bodies in a bad predicament. And then in 93, Rape Me by Nirvana... The lyrics are literally just rape me again, rape me, my friend. So, yeah, you cannot sue because somebody saying that is protected under the First Amendment. You you can't do that. That's like saying, like, if you sue Slayer, they would have to go and take horrorcore music, rock music of that time, rap music. Pretty much music from almost every single genre. Yeah, because in... Nirvana was listed as hardcore. I pulled the two Eminem lyrics because they were listed under horrorcore. And there's a there's a lot. I'm not really familiar with a lot of other horrorcore artists. I didn't pull. But there's a lot of, like, horrorcore. You can't, like, Insane Clown Posse. Mm. I don't. Yeah. You cannot. I don't know. I understand. And I'm not bashing the family for this lawsuit because I think they were trying to deal with the death and put blame somewhere but you can't blame a band that had nothing to do yeah like i understand why they did what they did at the same time though like you said like that the first amendment like the government cannot punish you for saying something like that's the whole point of it so that's what i'm saying so like 
that's why I pulled the other lyrics from the other songs because the two Eminem lyrics is showing A, how to get rid of a dead body, but B, how to kill somebody, make it look like you didn't do it. Yeah. The Biggie Smalls ones is talking about killing somebody and then the Nirvana one's talking about raping somebody. So, I mean, and I did, and I tried to do like all different genres, but you can't pick and choose Mm -hmm. because if they had granted that lawsuit, I think it would have opened up a door of like, it would have just violated the first amendment yeah and it sucks because on one hand i get it i get why we don't want things like that to be uh something that young people who are still like their brains are still forming they're influenced very easily i I get why they wouldn't want something like those types of lyrics to be infiltrating their minds quote unquote but like that's that's the problem like you might not like what somebody is saying but they have the right to say it (laughs) yeah it's called protection of the, the under the first amendment so i'm glad both of their lawsuits were not granted unfortunately like even though that is not what the um, the victims wanted yeah. unfortunately well, okay but the people who were actually responsible the three who murdered they Elise, were all sentenced they were all, yeah years. they the people who were actually responsible for her death they like there was justice served in that res- in that respect so they still got justice but I think they took it they they took it a little too far because it's the whole same thing with uh, violent video games and people blaming that for the reason why like people are like abusive. Yeah, it's like you can't the, like it might hey, it might it's desen- not the kids' fault. <laughs> yeah, like it might desensitize you, but literally every single piece of media out there these days has some sort of violent aspect to it. So it's like. It's it's not just video games. It's like there's a whole yeah. lot going on. Like it's it's a really big subject to to undertake. And that's why I pulled those the lyrics that I did because I tr- I tried to show that it's not just death heavy metal. Yeah. It's horrorcore. It's rap. It's hard rock. I'm yeah. sure it was in some pop songs. Oh, I just absolutely. didn't pull them because <laughs> I was I was going on a lot yeah. like four songs here. Okay, that's but. Fine. <laughs> I just wanted to show that just because it's a topic or they're saying something, it doesn't necessarily make the listener or the viewer responsible mm-hmm. um, or the same as the producer or the artist. You can't blame them yeah. for their art. Because like you can put warnings on something, but that's not going to stop somebody who wants to listen to it or to in- engage in that form of media from engaging in it. I mean, and unfortunately, not... Every parent is attentive. Yep. And they let their kids listen to it and it's fine. But especially especially these days. Like I see parents get upset anytime that an artist like does something, like releases a song. Like when WAP came out, parents were like super upset about it. And then <laughs> um what was it? Like Cardi said that she wouldn't let her daughter listen to it. And it's like, yeah, because that's what parents do. They're supposed to prevent they're, like they're supposed to be the ones raising their kids, not these well, celebrities. It's like um Eminem won't li- let his daughters listen to any of his songs and I wonder why because he's I know, that's threatening to kill their mother <laughs> like but it's just like they can the artists are can create their art 
while being a good parent. So if the artist will admit that their kids don't listen to it, I don't think your kid should listen to it. But that I don't have kids. So. Well, it's it's also just the fact that like these parents are putting the responsibility of raising their kids onto somebody else instead of taking and then that responsibility on themselves, blaming them for it. That's yeah. not fair. Like if 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 Elisa's parents should should have taken anyone to court, it should have been the parents of these kids for allowing them to listen to this music. Yeah. I think they might have had a better argument. Yep. Okay, let's continue. And we'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. So, a few years after the murders, Jacob and Joseph would go on to tell Entertainment Weekly that Slayer's music had nothing to do with the murders and that the murders were not intended as a satanic sacrifice, but cue Mari because the lie detector determined that was a lie. Yeah, like, why else would you have done it? Court records would prove that before his sentencing, Joseph told a probation officer that he had, in fact, been influenced by Slayer's music and in in his confession to the police, Royce said the teens referred to themselves as Satan's children and had d- discussed killing Elise in a devil-worshipping ceremony. So, in March of 2021, Royce is granted parole by two California parole board commissioners. During the hearing, the commissioners find that Casey has nearly 20 years of model behavior and participated in a series of rehabilitative programs, serves as a mentor, earned his GED, and is working on a bachelor's degree in psychology and sociology. And he says if he's paroled, he wants to move to LA and work as a substance abuse counselor. So he was granted parole, but that was in March. So he had to go back to court in June or July of this year because then he had to go up to the parole board. Mm -hmm. So they basically like had to approve it and then he had to go to the parole board. So they actually denied him at first, but then a letter was written and I think it was by the attorney. And so the governor reversed it and Mm -hmm. actually like paroled him. Well, he was the one who... Like, turned everybody in yeah so i don't know why he they would have denied it like i know he still participated in it but he actually like came forward the presiding commissioner diane dobbs said we find the person who committed the crimes and the person who sits before us today are two different people and so after 25 years after the crime royce casey has been freed from prison in july of 2021 so this year and he's out on parole i couldn't find like what he was doing but david Poller. Paler, which is Elise's father, he's gone to all of their parole hearings, like all three of them, and he even said, he told the Tribune, that he does not oppose Casey's release, and he personally thinks Casey is suitable and um, and not a threat to public safety. And I agree. I think um, especially if he's done like rehabilitative programs, and mm-hmm. I am all for some people can't be rehabilitated, but mm-hmm. I think, like in this instance, I don't know, it's a case-by-case basis for me. Yeah, well, especially if they do it when they're so young. Yeah. I think he clearly showed progress. Like, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes there are people who kill when they're young and they stay like that. And that's usually if the child is, like, sociopathic and they just don't feel empathy or anything like that. Like, that that's not something that can be rehabilitated. But if if it's a situation like this, then yeah. Well, all three of them were drug abusers, and I think that had a lot to do... Maybe not in the other two cases, 
other two cases but at least mm-hmm. in this one i think that was heavily influenced by peer pressure because the youngest joseph was the one that was basically like the leader per se yeah so i mean i'm not saying like what he did is excusable at all i think it was a vicious crime i feel mm-hmm. for the paler family but if he's shown rehabilitative tendencies and he's done and you know he's gone his GED he's been productive in prison is what I'm saying so I mean yeah and and I think the most important thing is that the family be okay with the release and it sounds like at least in this in this instance that they are now I read something that Elisa's sister didn't have like a problem with Casey but she feared that he might um live near them and she wasn't ready to like have that happen which is that makes yeah that's fair because like even if he's changed there there's still that trauma there like i mean you don't want to look at him every day yeah exactly but in this case i think even um what solidified it for me was the dad saying that he's okay with it basically Mm -hmm. but i'm my stance on stuff like that so case by case which i know it's case by case anyways but people try to black and white it and i'm like yeah it's so questionable you cannot do that yeah so anyways well. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about how this relates to jennifer's body so the plot line for jennifer's body is jennifer a high school student named jennifer check who has a best friend who's needy like i need you <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's her name, but it, she's also... It, it fits. It's suiting. So who becomes demonically possessed when a rock band botches an attempt to sacrifice her to Satan? So they need a they need a virgin. She says she's a virgin, but she's not actually a virgin. So in turn, this, like, ruins the sacrifice. She becomes this, like, man-eating monster. The reason she said that she was a virgin was because she thought that they were going to rape her, right? Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, she agreed that she was a virgin at first because she, like, wanted to sleep with the lead singer oh, that's at first. True. And then, like, she just was like, yeah, I'm a virgin because she was scared. Yeah. Okay, so then afterwards she goes after her male classmates, killing them one by one. And Needy, her best friend, like, has to figure out how to stop her, da 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 So, yes. obviously, satanic band, sacrifice of a virgin, high school girl, and a tragic end. Yeah, obviously, we said at the beginning, this is very loosely based off that, but it I mean, like Britt said, it's the the satanic band that sacrifices a virgin in the hopes that they will become better players and more famous. Yeah. Like that's literally what happened here. The only thing is that the killers never like admitted to what they did <laughs> in the movie. Yeah, you never really saw like you heard about them, but like they don't really come back afterwards. Well, at the end, Needy she goes and kills them, so yeah, but I'm just saying, like, they don't... Yeah. I figured they would have had more... They Well, they, they like... They were on the radio. Talking. Yeah, they were on the radio, and they were basically, like, talking up how much of a tragedy this situation was, like, with the, the bar burning down or whatever. And yeah, just kind of, like... they caused... Yeah. <laughs> like, they caused this bar to burn down, and then they started profiting off of it by being assholes, but... Which, I mean, in my opinion, that's what the director did with this movie, so... I mean, you're not wrong. I don't but, like this movie, guys. Yeah, it's for me. It was very cringy, mainly like the dialogue. Mm-hmm. I like. I was a teenager in the two thousand in the in two thousand nine. Like, I don't 
think anybody said the majority of these like phrases if they did then maybe i just wasn't hanging out with the same crowd but i was just like what this is trying too hard to be well my thing is uh i get jennifer's supposed to be like this hot girl who gets all the boys but i don't know a high school that's let you show your midriff i was not allowed to show my shoulders that's the problem with basically every single high school movie is that like Hollywood doesn't understand that high schools have dress codes. <laughs> you can also <laughs> like, be hot and have a sex appeal. Like girls can have sex appeal with like clothing. And I'm not saying like no, you have I agree. to you know what I'm saying? You not you don't have to dress. Like I if you want to wear what you want to wear, girl, do it. But like they portray females like they have to be naked or scandalous and i'm like they can have sex filled with clothes like you don't have to do yeah that. and and that's the thing is that like that happens all the time especially when they're portraying teenagers like yeah which we is kind of gross yeah it's it's the same thing with like riverdale i've never watched riverdale but all i ever see people like whenever because like i'm I am occasionally on Tumblr. Like anytime I see people sharing stuff, it's like they're all having sex. I'm just like, these are teenagers. Why? Why do we want to see? Like I know that the actors are not teenagers, but the characters they are playing are teenagers. Why? Why are we sexualizing teenagers so much? I don't understand. They are teenagers. <laughs> like that's that's a whole thing. Anyway, yeah, it's a um, whole. But <laughs> well, and I don't know. I feel like the end could have been better because needy obviously takes the demon but she, mm-hmm. it's because she killed jennifer and i'm kind of like mm. well it was it was um because jennifer bit her at one point in the uh like final fight when she yeah. was trying to save chip and so i and think didn't she didn't said, even save him he still died i know, I know. and that pissed me off <laughs> I liked he was, chip. he was so nice but um anyway yeah so because she bit she got bitten by her like part of the like some of the powers went like transferred into needy and then of course she uses those powers to go and murder the man which like that's that's fair they deserve to die but yeah but i feel like at some point you have to like feed the demon you don't have to like well i don't know if it was if the demon transferred to her or if it was just some of the powers because it sounded like at least that in the dialogue it sounded like some of the powers but yeah it's it it was it was just a weird movie i like oh my god it killed me she would be like boo x you out oh my god yeah i was just like who says that like like a five-year-old i know says that but yeah i don't i don't know there's a lot about that movie that was just very cringy and i was like "Mm." well i think the lesbian plot scene the lesbian plot yeah. of that movie or the bi plot of that movie was so unneeded. Yeah. Cuz like I under like I could definitely tell that Needy had, had a some crush. sort of yeah, she had some feelings for Jennifer. That I could totally that was totally believable, but then like Jennifer by like exploiting that, I didn't uh-huh. like I don't know, it just didn't seem like it Real. made sense. Yeah. So, and then I, I think know. they say something because I think she goes, I go both ways or something, but she's talking about like, because Needy's like, oh. you only, I thought you only went after boys. And then Jennifer's yeah. like, I go both ways. And that was supposed to be like a reference. Yeah, to being bisexual, which like is fine. That I don't have an issue with that, but I do have an issue with the bad writing. <laughs> well, it's like they fetish, fetishized or fetish yeah. like the bi. Could- 
two girls making out because that makeout scene was like awkward. yeah that was unnecessarily long <laughs> but to be fair the, the sex scene with her and chill oh my was God. like awkward too so that was, was like, also unnecessarily long I it did was not... so long and like he's like am i too big and it's because she's seeing demons and i'm like oh no yeah yeah it's because she saw like um god what was his name I don't know, one, that football player, mm, uh, the mm-hmm. dead football player in the chair, and then Jennifer, like, crouching behind him like a gargoyle or some shit. But yeah, it was... I mean, to it be was, fair, she did look creepy. She did. And, like, I guess... So I think when I see people talk about this movie, a lot of it is like, oh, Jennifer, was, Jennifer was right to go after boys or whatever. So it's very much like the, the feminist all men suck type thing. So well, I, yeah, I was about to say, I think it's supposed to be like a, it's just supposed to pay homage to like feminism and girl power, which is fine. I am a feminist. I, yeah. I like, I, I'm not saying that because I'm not a feminist. I'm only saying it because I feel like it's very much along the lines of, because like yes she was a victim so she turned around and became an aggressor because that Mm -hmm. happens in real life however if she had gone after her own like the people who turned her into that then i would have understood it more but she just went after just random guys who hadn't really done anything she was supposed to like she was going after the guys in her school because the guys sexualized her in the sense of they thought she was a piece of meat so that makes sense as to why she's going out but it's just like okay well like the it like the the female representation they Mm -hmm. the what irritates me is this movie was directed by a female and it was still like the lgbtq plotline was over fetishized jennifer was over sexualized (laughs) you know what i'm saying like i wanted Mm -hmm better yeah it could have been a really good movie um but i have this thing about if uh, okay so if it's in a documentary style that's the one thing or like amityville horror it's like retelling the lutz's version of what happened yeah this is taking a true crime case and making and profiting off of it yeah in the sense of not making fun of it but mm-hmm. I don't know. it was it definitely wasn't really respectful in that sense because like like i said at the beginning i didn't even know that jennifer's body was like that that part of that movie was based off of a true crime story until like i i think i saw a buzzfeed list or something that was talking yeah. about like true crime cases or like spooky things that were turned into movies and i was like what <laughs> so it's like it doesn't really i don't know it, it could have been done better i think and I think if it was more. made now, it would be better. But I think yeah. because it was in 09, because a lot of people said it was like ahead of its time, which I do agree. I think yeah. like a lot of like the understanding of it went over people's head. But yeah. I think she took a true crime case, exploited it, and then tried to make it like, I don't know. She tried to make it too much when yeah. it's a true crime case that you didn't even... I don't. I feel like she's basing Elise off of. There's no similarities between Jennifer and Elise aside from blue eyes. Yeah, like physically, but also it seemed like personality wise too. Yeah, which I mean, Elise seemed to, to me from like what I was researching, she seemed like a normal teenager to me. Yeah, like the girl next door type. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my take on Jennifer's body. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening to my rant. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, I I don't get the hype. I mean, if if you enjoy the movie, that's fine. I'm not gonna tell you to stop watching. Yeah, I'm not it. saying I just, like it's just not my thing. Same, which is fine. Uh, if you like the movie, yeah. I'm very happy for you. If you it's, like Texarkana movie, I'm very happy for you. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's very much uh, just you do you, I do me. <laughs> like no thanks, I, I'm good. However, if you like Legally Blonde, hit me up. I love that movie. It's my fave. <laughs> also. Uh, the one good thing about Jennifer's body was the soundtrack. That was a that was the soundtrack slaps. I'm, I'll I'll put that out there. When it came when it came on and um what's her name Amanda Segfield Segfield uh uh oh my god what is I don't know how to pronounce her last name uh Seyfried. Seyfried. I was like Karen Smith looks different here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the cliche of like the needy who was too codependent on Jennifer and Jennifer just like exploiting Needy's crush. I feel like not like exploiting it to make money, but she was definitely using it. Yeah. To her advantage. Yeah. And I mean, that happens in real life, like exploitative friendships, especially in high school. Like I had so many friendships that I like people I don't talk to anymore because I realized that I was like, I was going above and beyond for these people who would not do literally anything for me and like sometimes that's that's fine like every now and then sometimes somebody can't like do something for you which is fine but if it's a like repetitive behavior it's probably not somebody you want to have in your life just throwing that out there so yeah I definitely agree and then also I felt like (laughs) needy was like playing the to the stereotype of the nerdy high school girl a little too much i don't know maybe i didn't maybe. understand needy's character like i didn't understand her mom like because her mom wasn't in it that much but like she did make that one appearance and i'm like i don't they didn't yeah. give any backstory yeah like i didn't feel any sort of real emotional connection to any of the characters i don't know it all just seemed very I surface Chuck. yeah like i <laughs> i, I like oh, colin the emo guy yeah it's like with with colin like you kind of got a little bit from him like especially with it with his funeral, like that scene. Oh yeah, that was sad. So like you got a little bit of backstory from him. You got a little bit from a couple of the other characters, but you didn't really get a whole lot from the main characters themselves. And I was just like, I didn't really care what happened to any of them, and I felt bad for saying that because like I I want to when I watch a movie, I want to care about the characters. But if I don't care about the characters, that's just bad writing. <laughs> also, Chris. Pratt was like randomly in it. Oh my and god! I had no yeah. clue. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wait a second, I recognize that voice. And then he hit like he I see his face. I was like, wow. I he sounded yeah. like a Canadian. Is Chris Pratt Canadian? No, like Are his you sure? character. No, no I know, I don't but think he is. I don't know. I feel like he was like a. <laughs> people are like secretly Canadian. Okay, no, he's American. But I was I, like, uh, <laughs> I don't think so. Well, no, that's the problem is that like there's so many times I watch something and I'm like, oh, the, I didn't realize so and so was like Doctor Who. I used to watch Doctor Who a lot, and David Tennant had a British accent in Doctor Who, like just an English accent, but he's actually Scottish. So it's like, I didn't know that. I also didn't know that Christian Bale wasn't American because <laughs> like my first introduction what to him. He? he's from wales oh so (laughs) so like my first introduction to him was i think batman begins um but then like i'd also seen him like in newsies and a couple other movies and he always had an american accent i did not know that he was not american (laughs) wasn't Um, he an american psycho yeah 
Yeah, that was that was another big one. So he doesn't um, have an American accent. No, like that's not from, his real accent. No, he's from Wales. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize Margot Robbie was Australian. Yeah, that's another. That's another. Because her one. Harley Quinn voice is really good. It is very good, but yeah, that's that's the thing. I just I had to check. No, he, Chris Pratt's American. Anyway, that is the tragic case of Elise Paler. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that because like I definitely did not know anything about this case, and um, it's really sad. Yeah, Morbid did a really good episode. I haven't listened to it since I binged Morbid at the beginning of last year. No, this year. Mm-hmm. But I know they went and I think they did a little bit more detail than I did. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to like. I think I had heard about the lawsuit against Slayer, but I don't think I'd heard about the case that, like, inspired the lawsuit against Slayer. So, uh, that... Yeah. Well, Slayer had two lawsuits, and they went after Sony Music, which I think Sony Music is the record label that Kesha was with, right? When she was I raped? I don't know, actually. I know Sony Music is just a very big label, but let's find out. But I got really... I got really passionate about them going after Slayer. I was like, you can't go after Slayer. You're going to have to go after him and him. Biggie? Well, Biggie's fine. Um, you yep. can't go after him. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, just a little Nirvana. Bit. Okay, so she was signed to Kimosabi Records. Oh, yeah. Owned by Sony Music Entertainment. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, uh, I'm pretty sure she was with Sony. Anyways, Sony Music... And then they took a lot of other record companies, and then they did not win any money. Oh, she would be 41 today. Not today, but like this year, she would be 41. <sighs> it's a very sad case, but I'm glad I'm, a, I'm glad that at least the people who murdered her, like, they faced justice. Like, I know, I know that doesn't change anything, really, for the family. Like, they still lost their daughter or their sister, but... There's only so much you can do, you know, with this sort of thing. Can't You can't bring somebody back as much as we would like that to happen. That is everything. So we are on social media. We are on Instagram at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We are on Twitter at Wicked Podcast One. We are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. We are on YouTube at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. And we are also on Facebook as a Facebook group. It's a private group. You just have to hit join. So search up Shockingly Wicked Podcast and we should pop up. We've had a couple of people join recently. And so that was really cool. We're slowly expanding. If you have case suggestions, please email those to us at shockinglywickedpodcast at gmail.com. If you have promotional inquiries or stuff about social media, you can reach Brittany at shockinglywickedpodcast.com. Or you can reach out to me about website stuff, about production questions, anything specific to that at brianna at shockinglywickedpodcast.com. And I believe that is everything. Stay tuned for our Halloween episode. It's not coming out on Tuesday. This is coming out on Halloween, which is this upcoming Sunday. It is a bonus (laughs) episode, technically. So we're excited to share it with you. You're going to get three stories in one episode. So I know that seems like a lot, but you'll enjoy it. (laughs) You'll enjoy it. So it'll be fun. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you next episode. Bye!